0: Everybody, it is Player Four Five Six, a Squid Game podcast from ourselves at Quite a Thing Media. My name's Jack Shaw, and joining me is my friend, co-host, and massive Squid Game fan too. It's Colin McMillan. How are you, man?
1: Hi, Jack. I'm good, mate. Yeah, really good. Uh, good to be recording again. This is a uh, pro- maybe one of my favourite episodes, um, just because of the way it kind of opens the game up a little bit, and you start to learn a little bit more. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking through it with you.
0: As always, we presume that everybody that's listening has watched us. Massive spoilers ahead. We have received quite a lot of emails, and we're enjoying that. You can get in contact with us on player456pod at gmail.com. And we love interactions, Colin, so they can get us on Twitter as well. Where can they find us there?
1: They can find us on Twitter at player456pod on Twitter. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. We love kind of interacting, hearing from people. It's one of the ma- one of the really kind of odd things about podcasting is you kinda of speak out into the void so to speak and you assume and you can see that people are listening, but you never ever really hear back from them. So when you do hear back, it does make a difference. It is nice. So please reach out, um give us the five stars on iTunes and the like and all that sort of stuff and uh let us know you're listening because like Jack says, we'd we'll love to hear from you.
0: We are on episode three now, which is the man with the umbrella. This was foreshadowed in the last episode with Gun's daughter staring at the umbrella the camera sort of hung over it for a little while longer so if your eyes were really open you would have maybe noticed that mate this is the shortest episode I think so far and it might even be the shortest episode in the series Colin so there's not as much to get our teeth into in this one so these might be a little bit shorter and we're still going to split this into three parts uh, with you today tomorrow and Thursday so let's just dive into it mate where where do we start what's happening here
1: we, we, we kind of start off with the players returning to the game. Um, you start to see the, the kind of fleet of uh, people carriers uh, picking the people up, carrying them towards the ship. They're all gassed and passed out as per as the norm. And uh, the car's all going kind of to drive onto the ferry that takes them to the island. Uh, the first thing you notice is slightly different though is that there's a non-player um, there, Jack, this time. Um, John Ho has managed to find his way, he's managed to follow the action and get himself uh, onto the ferry, hasn't
0: he? He has indeed. Now, these people you would think would be really, really paranoid. Do you not think they would notice a different car driving? Or do you think these guys are in a mindset where they're probably fearful for their life as well, so they're just concentrating basically on driving. I presume they've been told not to break the speed limit and stuff like that, so the police don't see them basically.
1: Well, yeah, I think at this point, I think you're right to be a little bit suspicious of the lack of suspicion that these guys have about being followed and what goes on. But I think as this episode carries on, you start to learn a little bit more about these men in pink and exactly who they are and what they are and maybe why they're maybe not as clued up or tuned into all this as you might suspect them to be at this point.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but the staff members have numbers as well, which again, we sort of know that they are probably they're against their will. So John Ho kills number 29 here, um, taking a circle mask, which we have spoken about before, which basically puts him at the, the bottom of the pile. But what it does show is that he's sort of on the ball and a bit of a badass, you know, the way he just strangles that guy. He can definitely handle himself and the way he's used, I think we'll get to it as a sort of storytelling method to get behind the scenes is pretty interesting, but he's took it upon himself to try and find his brother. This cop, this has just popped into my head there, seems to, we spoke about the disrespect of mothers. He spoke to his mother on the phone and said, look, I'm really going to try and find your son, her brother. He's slightly different. He, he is cast in a different light, and he does have a different role, obviously, throughout the shoes. The I really like him, man. I think he's really cool, Ho.
1: I like him too. He, he's a bit like a Korean Jack Bauer type thing, <laughs> isn't he? The way that he he takes a guy out, chokes him out, he manages to get into his outfit all in the back of that car. And a bit of kind of ruthlessness shown as well, Jack, in terms of... This guy is a policeman who should be kind of abiding by the law and trying to do the right thing, but he does just kill this guy and throw him into the sea, which maybe gives us a little bit of a suspicion that he is a bit of a badass, and there's a bit more to him than just your typical cop, or maybe it's just that the stakes are so high for him that he wants to find his brother, so the the thought of killing this guy that he obviously recognises as a bad guy anyway, it doesn't mean that much to him, but it does give you a little bit of a, a look into his psyche and what he's prepared to do in this mission that he's found himself on.
0: He has quite quick thinking as well because he fakes seasickness to explain his let's call it tardiness I suppose and you get your again another glimpse of the hierarchy here. He obviously doesn't know the rules as of yet but he manages to lie pretty convincingly to get out of the situation which again just shows he's thinking quite quickly on his feet. The zoom in here mate on the the loose button dangling, at first I thought, oh-oh, that's going to be something that is going to come back to haunt him, but I think that's probably just a simpler reason for that being there and the zoom
1: in on it. Yeah, I think so. That, my first instinct was the same as yours, That, that that's how they're going to realise that something's amiss with his uniform or it's not right and they're going to have a closer look at it and he's going to come unstuck. But I actually think they just use a bit of a plot device so that when there's a sea of these guards all together all dressed the same it's easy to pick out which one is him because he's got that button. A little bit like the plot device in the new Star Wars films where Finn's helmet has got the handprint of blood on it. And it's for no real reason other than when there's 100 stormtroopers on the screen, you know which one's Finn.
0: Right, okay. So there's another big Star Wars reference there as well. Yeah, I think that's probably I did think it was going to cause him issues like they are going to be under strict orders to keep their uniform nice and pristine, but it does seem like it's just going to be a sort of, so you know who he is. We'll speak more about him. Once he gets inside, we kind of start to watch him fake his way through. He doesn't really know the protocols, where to go, when to speak, what to do and so on. During the second game, I suppose more to come in that soon, he simply says he got confused. Again, is this just a case of, these pink guys or red-shooted men are all in the same situation and they do have a little bit of maybe they've got teams behind the scenes or they just understand that people might get confused because they're in this terrible situation because it does seem to be there are rules and you need to follow these rules and the front man very much shows this um, during this episode. Do you think there's something? Again, am
1: I thinking too much about things here? You potentially, you, you, you could be thinking too much into it, but that's what this show does to you. I think you get you start to get an idea that these guys aren't an army of killers, so to speak. They're not kind of what you suspected them to be, maybe in the first couple of episodes. They're probably guys that are probably not far up the food chain to the contestants, or if not, they're the same as the contestants. They're just lucked out in the role that they found themselves in the, in this quick game compared to the contestants. They're the ones with the guns rather than the ones without the guns. It wouldn't surprise me to find out later that they've got the same sort of issues and they're doing this for the same sort of reasons.
0: There does seem to be an implied threat there, but that his consequences for his tardiness or his confusion are going to lead to some sort of punishment. There's a definite
1: implied threat there for sure. Definitely, yeah. And I think that kind of shows a bit why these guys are so regimented and why the masks are on all the time and they, they do seem almost like I don't know, almost like, a zombie, like zombies and so sticklers to the rules because they, they see how ruthless they are when one of the contestants gets eliminated and perhaps they're facing the same sort of thing if they step out of line or don't do what's expected of them.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty high-risk venture for the policeman. He has decided to go into a very, very dangerous place, but it's also it's one of my favourite aspects of the show. He's, he's pretty smart, pretty ruthless. We've seen that he's killed this guy. Easy peasy, throws him over, no sort of qualms about that. He's a quick liar. But what it does do is it gives you an insight into the background of how this organisation's working, Colin, because I think a lot of these films and shows that are based on survival games want to keep the inner workings of these organisations quite a big mystery. Now, I don't know about Hunger Games and films like that because I haven't seen them, but that's the sort of vibe that I'm getting, that normally they would be the mysterious baddies, whereas this is going to give us an insight into what's going on behind the scenes. And again, it's just really brilliant storytelling.
1: Yeah, it's great storytelling, and it's great because there's nothing really that you learn through him that you couldn't learn just by showing you some clips of the workers and the the, the, the masked man and everything else. You could just bring it all together that way. But what they do is they actually give you all that information while telling you A completely different side of the story through the policeman's eyes and another mission that he's on. And it just adds a whole other dimension to the show in terms of it's not just about the contestants playing these games at this point now. You've now got somebody else on their own personal mission with their own risks and their own reward that they're trying to get. And it's just a completely different story within the one show. And it serves its piece and it's interesting, it's exciting. But it also gives you some backstory and detail into the other side of the game. And it's just a very, very clever bit of uh, filmmaking or TV making.
0: Yeah, there seems to be tons of staff working on the island. Colin, do you want to tell us a little bit about the processing, basically, once they arrive there, all gassed up?
1: Yeah, so they, they arrive and they're all kind of laid out almost on like mortuary slabs type thing, only they're, they're sleeping rather than dead. And they, they go to work basically on each contestant, um, stripping them down. Um, you see at this point that the contestants are basically stripped of every part of them. They take off clothes, shoes, watches, purses, bags, phones. Everything gets taken away almost to almost ensure, I suppose, that these contestants go into this game seemingly on a, a complete level playing field all the same. Um, and nobody's getting any advantage over the other, or certainly shouldn't. Another thing I noticed, Jack, as well, just before this scene, was um, when they're in the cars arriving on the ferry, they scan the contestants to find out which ones have came back. So I I might have missed this, or if it's been alluded to earlier, does that mean that these contestants have all been microchipped at some point at the start?
0: It would appear so that they've been microchipped, I would imagine, during the first processing, when there was 400. All of them, I think they've all been microchipped then. That would be my guess.
1: Because there's a scene scene later on in the the episode where they tell the frontman about how many have came back, and he tells them to keep an eye on the ones that didn't. And it just made me think right away, well, what exactly else does this microchip do if they're also able to keep an eye on all the ones in the outside world and what they're doing, the ones that didn't return?
0: Yeah, like, some people have prepared, but we, we mentioned this, the uh, Kang si book number 67, the pickpocket. She takes uh she doesn't get gassed. She manages to sort of lie down so the gas doesn't get to her. So she's awake. Now, it took me a f- few times to actually figure out what was happening here with the, the knife, with the pickpocketing and the putpocketing, basically. Because what she does is she puts the knife into the guy's pocket so that they don't find it and then manages to pickpocket back out of the red suit's pocket. Those skills have came in handy then those pickpocketing skills. But it did take me a few times like to actually drill down into that because at first I thought somebody had given her it and there's actually some sites out there that are recapping the episode as she was past a knife. She clearly wasn't, she's just really good at pickpocketing,
1: basically. Um she's she's really good at a lot of things, this um this character. I my understanding is that she managed to escape the gas. By holding her breath for the whole time until the gas kind of rescinded um, and that's how she managed to not kind of get knocked out the sleight of hand with the knife is amazing especially considering she's supposed to be a dead weight that can't move at the time you see them pulling her forward and her whole body just looks completely light and she just lurches forward but at the same time there's that sleight of hand to get rid of the knife well, they check her over and then she gets the knife back again just before she lies back down it's if you're in any doubt how good a pickpocket she was, this, this scene kind of gives you an idea of how good she would have been at that.
0: Sang Woo, like I don't know if we spoke about this, we know he voted to stay, but he's the only one of the four friends in inverted commas to do so. Another thing that I read was, we discussed this ever so slightly, was when he got out with Ali, giving them money to go home, yeah. we sort of thought, quite a generous, not generous, but, A decent enough guy to give somebody some cash to get home, but there seems to be a lot of people picking up on this. He's a man who has nothing left, so he may as well just give the cash to the other guy. You know, he's got nothing nothing else to lose basically because he's lost so much, and that I suppose is probably kind of turns out to be the most dangerous man in the competition where he's the most fucked. Sorry for swearing, because of the amount of debt he's in, he's got nothing else to lose.
1: There's there's a vibe from this guy here that he, regardless of how well he goes on to do during this game, so if he wins it or if he dies, I think he's got an understanding in his own head that his previous life is finished, that that life is gone. It doesn't mean anything anymore because he's either going to end up dead or he's going to end up rich beyond his wildest dreams and he'll basically start a brand new life.
0: He, oh, I don't know... If I
1: quite agree with that, I think he's going to prison, even if he pays the money back. I don't think he is. If he if he wins all this money, he's got enough money to set himself up and disappear, new identity and everything else. If he wins that much money,
0: maybe he needs to pay back about six billion one, which is around about six million pounds, which would leave him about what fourteen, fifteen million to himself, maybe. Maybe, but I just think he knows that he's screwed anyway. What, what He doesn't have a particular set of skills. He surely doesn't know that many criminals that can get him new passports and stuff like that. I think he sort of knows, even if he pays the money back, he's going to jail for fraud. I suppose we might find out or we might not find out. We'll take a little look at the, the numbers before we get to questions, queries
1: and theories then. So how many people come back and stuff like that, Colin? Let us catch us up here. Of the 201 that were left, 187 of them come back, which equates to 93%. I think is really, really tragic, Jack. The, the idea that this horrific situation that these guys find themselves in, the real world is equally as bad that 93% of these people came back to run the risk of dying, basically, for the chance of a better life and then winning this money. Um, I was quite shocked a little bit by that because I knew, obviously... People were coming back, because if nobody comes back, we don't have much of a show. But that percentage did surprise me. I don't know if it surprised you.
0: It was surprising, but again, these people, or the main characters anyway, are in neck deep, basically. And I think that there seems to be a misconception, I think, amongst the people that lots of people can survive. like It seems to be, right, if you pass the game, you survive. There doesn't seem to be anywhere they've got told that only one person really gets out at the end of the Squid game.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't think that's been made clear to them at all.
0: It hasn't at all. So they think, right, OK, another five games, like Hopscotch or whatever they're, they're going to be playing later on, they think, right, OK, we get past that and we get a share of the money. They don't know that it's they're going to whittle them down bit by bit by bit, I don't think. Well, they don't. Um, Yeah, 187, but do you know in California, that's the police code for murder?
1: There we are. I didn't know that, that's, that's nice, Um, that's quite interesting.
0: I looked at some numerology, mate, because I've just started doing that on this show just to see if the scriptwriters have maybe took something from the numbers. So 187 resonates with introspection, It's quite interesting, And looking to determine the next goal. It's an analytical energy with a tendency to go alone. I think that very much almost describes what's happened here. They've took time to int- for a little bit of introspection, determine what the next goal is, and they've decided, looking back, again. I think this is maybe taking that a bit far. But ninety three resonates with creative expression of concerns and solutions for humanity. Uh, the numerology is also a social number. I don't think there's much in that one, but the one one's everyone's quite interesting. Um, ninety three, I suppose, if you really twisted it solutions for humanity, solutions for themselves. Maybe they're going back, they're trying to figure out something. It's a social number, with 93% of people coming back. There's tons of people, um, and this is a really unsocial game, although you need to make teams, but maybe that's just digging far too deep. But the one eight seven one, I think, there's maybe something in that, um, especially with the the police code and, and things like that as well. So I tell you what, do you want to go with questions, queries and theories, Colin? Like we said at the start, this is a much shorter episode in general, so our three parts are probably going to be a little bit shorter um, over the next couple of days, but we have had some um, some emails and stuff like that Do you want me to read this one? Do you want to read this one? From Shannon
1: Questions Queries Theories I'll go with this one from Shannon So Shannon writes, hi Jack and Colin I am one of your listeners
0: I 456ers, just before we get to your part of the show, we would like to let you know that we also do a show called Wrong Term Memory, where we cover some true crime, some 90s pop culture, a little bit of history, some science, a whole range of things really.
1: Yeah, so if you enjoy listening to us, and not just listening to us talking about Squid Game, then just search in your podcast app of choice for Wrong Term Memory, or visit our website at wrongtermmemory.com.
0: If you don't fancy doing that, you can offer your support for Player 4.5.6 by leaving a review or rating.
1: Now, on with the show. is on your Player 4.5.6 podcast, and I love to hear you guys talk about Squid Game. So far, every opinion you have had on each character is exactly the same as mine, but with a Scottish accent. Yeah. And in brackets, which is definitely a good reason to listen. <laughs> uh, nothing makes me smile more than every time you speak about our sweet Ali, Ali the Angel. He became my favourite the very moment he saved Ji-hun from falling in the very first episode. Sei Bayok is not just pretty, she's absolutely beautiful. I love her character, just not as much as Ali. No one beats Ali. As for Cho Sangwo, he can go to hell. Um, I look forward to listening to one of your podcasts, Shannon from Essex. Thank you, Shannon. Um, I'm glad that we're kind of given the similar opinions that you're having watching it as well. It means we're either wrong together or right together. Hopefully we're right.
0: Yeah, that was nice. So again, um, Sharon got in contact, player456pod at gmail.com. Pretty simple to remember. Stephen got in contact on uh, Twitter. I noticed that the games themselves don't take much screen time at all, and it's the story, characters, and their actions outside of it that keeps me even more intrigued. And despite how short the games are, they're pretty nerve-wracking and get my heart going. Um, They're beating pretty fast. So yeah, Stephen, I think that's... One of the main reasons that it's such a good TV show is that we know there's going to be these brutal games, but it's not just what the show's all about. Colin, is it? There's much, much more to it.
1: Yeah, this isn't this isn't a TV series of the Saw movies where you're watching basically torture porn or just trying to be as grim and as horrible as possible. These are brutal, horrific, awful games that each episode or each episode or two kind of builds up to one of them. However, there's so much going on from a character point of view, from a discovery point of view. There's there's kind of mixing between characters, there's plotting, there's trying to figure out what the next moves are going to be. There's so much more to it. Um, in some ways, the build up to the games is more interesting because that's the more character led piece whereas the games are really the, the kind of set to and the main part of each episode where all the tension gets released, basically. Um, but yeah, there's there's far more to it. I don't think this show would be anything like as popular as it is if it literally was just horrible, horrific game of the week and that was all the show had going for it. Um, I think that's, this is where it kind of sets itself apart from other stuff in the genre, with the way it's done this, with the character piece, the story and bringing the collective together rather than just the... The horror of each individual task or game.
0: Well, that is it. The third episode, the man with the umbrella, really starts to sort of deepen the ties to the game within the game. The players have made their choice, be it free will or not, with a little bit of psychological help maybe from the runners of the game, they've decided to come back. In the next episode, we'll see that G Hearn's turning into quite a player, and it also seems like some players are getting a little bit of inside help, Colin, over the next sort of 20, 30 minutes of this episode. And they may turn out to be a wild card in the Squid Game. Pretty sneaky.
1: It very well, could be, uh, yeah, like like kind of what I said a minute or so ago, this is where it's all starting to heat up and you're starting to see the, the hustle between the characters, basically, and that all kind of starts in this episode.
0: Right, guys, we will be back with you tomorrow. So thanks for listening. And Colin, cheers mate. Thanks everyone,
1: speak soon.